Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I think I'm just going to keep this going. Believe me when I tell you I am Mike Casaza. Welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, we were supposed to do this on Tuesday morning, so some of this is going to be maybe a little bit more dated, but I do want to talk to you about some more current and maybe slightly more distant football events. Spring game, Neil Brown's contract, and as we get into our weekly question and answer podcast. So subscribers send questions. We try to answer them as best as we can. Get to a lot of them, not all of them. Chris follows up. Written format for people who'd like to read instead of listen, but also to cover some bases we don't. But would you rather begin with the contract extension or the spring game? Both a little bit more in our rearview mirror and certainly behind some bigger news that we've covered in another podcast. But probably neither one is an item we should gloss over completely. Can can I say neither? Uh, I, I have something. Literally the moment that you we started recording this, yeah. it just popped up. And again, we're recording this Tuesday morning, posting it Wednesday morning. Uh, just announced, West Virginia will play Tennessee to kick off the 2028 football season. Are you excited yet? Oh, can you man. feel the excitement? You get my, my Airbnb right now. <laughs> like you, you, you hit the record button. You said, "All right, I'm hitting record," and then I heard it click on my headphones, and then I got the press release on on my phone. Duke's Heiple. Mayo, Duke's Brown. Mayo, baby. Where is it at? Neutral? In Charlotte. The Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte. In Charlotte, North Carolina. Duke's Mayo. Give yes, me that. Sir. I would not cover the Miracle Whip Classic. <laughs> we, I'm okay with that. I'm more of a Hellman's man, but that's okay. We only it's played like, the Hellman's Classic in my house when I was growing up. Um, yeah. But yeah, Duke's is not, not bad at all there, too. So neutral site, Charlotte against Tennessee again. Um, my immediate reaction will be, we just did this. Granted, that'll be almost 10 years between dates right right yeah it'll be exactly 10 years right wasn't that 2018 mm. so it'll be 2028 yes. yeah correct so. so why are we going to make this a once every decade thing could they not find a different city or opponent does it even matter because you know uh, the, the initial reaction is going to be why can't we get something new well 10 years in between but i get that too you'd like to have something to look forward to and if it was somebody else or if it was a different city maybe but I don't know. Does Tennessee give you that sort of interest, like perpetual interest? I know you had a great summer with their fans, but I don't know. Okay with this? I'm okay with this. I'm always a big fan of games that are more regional. Tennessee, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Kentucky, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, Pittsburgh. Like I, I think those games are the best games for fans in general. I think you're going to get more interest as far as fans go. I assume it'll make good TV money as well. But, um, yeah, 10 years, 10 years, pretty long time. I, I, I do something like this every, every five or six years. I, I, I've already given my proposal before about the rotating non-conference schedule, picking two out of three of Maryland, Virginia Tech, Penn State, and, um, and playing them. Or, or Maryland, Virginia Tech, Penn State, Pitt, picking two out of those four and playing two of them every single year just to, to get more regional games on West Virginia's schedule. How are they going to make this work when it's a conference game? <laughs> no, I'm seen? not. I'm not, Mike. Mike, we're already in a bad spot with social media. We don't need to. We don't need to go down this path again. 
Well, Neil Brown will be in the second year of his third contract in 2028, correct? How do you know that already? How do you know that already, Mike? Well, I think the world knows how I get my stories. Um, (laughs) Let's discuss the, the contract quickly here because we haven't talked about it here since then, but we've since seen him comment on it, Shane Lyons comment on it, and and to be frank, it doesn't really stand out as anything unusual. Some of the buyout stuff is strange, you know, letting him, I mean, really paying him most of his contract unless they fire him after the fifth season, in which case he gets 85%, so still pretty good cash there. And he doesn't have to pay a lot if he leaves at any point, and the little bit that he owes is cut in half if Lyons and or President Gee are no longer in their position. So that's a, a strange contingency to have in place, but a big jump in money, like right away, and about an additional $10 million investment in him when you count the extra years and money involved. But I think the one thing that people are going to probably question is not the money or the buyout or any of those weird clauses we just mentioned, but did you have to do it right now? Not my money. I don't really care either way, but I don't have any issue with this. I think if you believe you got the guy, do it now before a season when maybe the price of doing business is less. The leverage isn't quite as severe than having to do it next season. Um, I don't know. It just kind of crosses one thing off the list. And it's not so unusual, so absurd with the money or the years that it really calls a lot into question. Um, I don't know. Pretty tame to me. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with the extension. I'm okay with the timing. I'm okay with the money. Uh, you know, if West Virginia wants to be a competitor, they need to pay like a competitor. Uh, they're not paying $9 million, $10 million a year, whatever, like Alabama's paying Nick Saban, but they're paying top 25 type money, and that's what they need to pay if they want to stay relevant. Um, the thing that gets me, and you noted this in your, uh, what did you call it, gradual analysis? I like that title. It wasn't like instant. Title a lot. <laughs> it wasn't instant, but some things don't need to be instant, and this was one of them. I think it was good to sit back and look at it and think about it, but you know that you know no amount of money is really going to keep him from leaving like you know a, a buyout regardless of what it is is it going to be a deterrent for him you know leaving or taking a new job or the other school paying it but did they really have to lower it so much to make it so easy cuz again it, they're going to he's if if he gets a job at say you know I know he's linked uh, however seriously is up for debate to like Auburn or South Carolina, those schools will pay $30 million in buyouts if they want Neil Brown. That's not going to be a deterrent for them. So why make the buyout so low when finances are a thing, you know, in this department? Like, you need that money. You need that money to be able to, uh, to compete, to stay afloat, to cover these contracts, whatever you want to say. Uh, so I, that's the only thing I don't get. I like the risk. I like rolling the dice. I like the timing. Uh, again, money, good. Timing, good. Length, good. Uh, incentivizing things, good. Always want to incentivize people with contracts. But the buyout, I don't understand why you had to lower it in this situation. Yeah, especially if you're doing a negotiation and a trade-off of things where like, all right, I'll, I'll give you some room here, but I need room here. I don't see that on the West Virginia side of things. Yeah. So. They were lent a little bit in the buyout. Um, and again, at some point, Brown might say, I'm not buying this. I'm not signing this or I want more money unless you do something in my buyout, in which case you have to do something. But then like on the other side of it, Shane Lyons, Kelly Zinn, Gordon Gee, whomever has to say, well, in light of that, we need this. And that's not really there um, up to and including. Again, they pay him 
100% of his salary if they fire him after the first four years, 85% out of the first five. That's pretty much a fully guaranteed contract. So that's rare. And again, we can go into past history. That was not something they were willing to do with Daniel Holgerson. I, I can't make an apples-apples comparison there because the situations are very different. Um, frankly, West Virginia wants Neil Brown around, and West Virginia certainly act like it didn't want Dana Holgerson around for six more years. So that's that's unusual to me, and it could be an issue. It might not be an issue. Um, and further, this is another weird thing to me that isn't that big of a deal because it may never actually be realized, but his annual cap for incentives was $750,000. That means he can never make more than three-quarters of a million dollars for different things that a coach can accomplish during a season, a Coach of the Year award, Bowl game appearance, college football playoff appearance. He couldn't re couldn't exceed seven fifty. Well, they lifted that from seven fifty to a million. And you're like, well, that's I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? Twenty five percent increase on the cap. Do you know how much money he made in incentives his first two seasons combined, Chris? I do not. Seventy thousand dollars. Hmm. That's it. So he's never going to hit seven fifty. He's never going to hit a million. If he does. Great, but like, I mean, you would have to win a national championship, win coach of the year, win 12 games. Like, you would have to max out on the incentives, and I think you can get to a million. If my math is correct, it gets right about there. So, you would take that if it happened. You wouldn't mind paying that out because you're going to make a lot of money to pay that along the way. So, it seems like a weird thing. It wasn't necessary, but even if it does happen, so what? You're rolling in cash at that point, and you're, you're living large, so not that big of a deal. I will say this. Shane Lyons once told us that he just doesn't believe in the whole recruiting for four years and having to have that if you're a head coach, right? Neil Brown had four years left in his contract. He's 11 and 11 and is going out into a, I think we would agree, a really, really important time on the recruiting circuit, not just for him, but for college athletes, or excuse me, college sports, but also student athletes in high school and junior college in general. It's going to be a wild time out there. It's got to be really good. And now he can say, I'm here for six years. He may, he may be here for six, he may not be here for six, but more importantly, he doesn't have to answer the question of, you only have four years left, are you going to be my coach when I'm a senior? That's not going to come up. Um, that's impossible for me to avoid. I don't know if Lyons has done a 180 on that, if he's just evolved, but uh, he's done that for a couple things too. You know, He wasn't into multi-year contract for assistant coaches. That's the standard now. Uh, maybe he's come around to this four-year thing too, or maybe, again, they just relented to Brown a little bit, but positive here. And you can tell me how much of a difference this is or isn't. I, I think I know where you stand on this. But Brown doesn't have to answer that question when he goes out in June to recruit, when he has people come into his campus uh, to visit. No one's going to sit across from him and say, you only have four years left. Can I be sure you're going to be my coach? He's got six years now. So that takes that off the table, I think. Yeah, it doesn't come up quite as much as it used to. I think of schools and coaches – like uh, opposing schools and coaches would often bring that up on as part of this like negative recruiting style, trying to convince players, hey, look, that coach over there's only got, you know, three years left or two years left. He's, there's no guarantee he's even going to be there or whatever. I don't think you see that quite as much. I think uh, recruits have gotten smarter. They see through that kind of negative recruiting. They are a little more understanding of what's going on with contracts. They're understanding that a guy might have an eight year contract and he still might leave. So it doesn't really matter that much um of course they will pay attention to is that guy on the hot seat and so the fact whether you have three years or six years um it doesn't matter quite as much as it used to it's really more important of, of how you're viewed on like the hot seat of whether you're not you, you know you're going to be there or be fired agreed his first goodwill gesture i think was probably 
trying his hardest in the spring game. I don't know if he tried too hard, if there were too many cooks, but that's the whole thing. Maybe there's a question, I think, in the mailbag about this that we'll get to, but spring game, eh, okay. As far as spring games, entertaining, ambitious, did it excel? I don't know. It's up to you. I don't know what you really want to learn out of these things. I don't know what you want more than what you got as far as entertainment value or the worthwhile nature of it, but takeaways from you. Um, So many days later, we probably hit some obvious ones, but Again, gradual analysis, Chris. Anything rise to the surface now so many days later? Um, apart from, I think, an obvious one here that there are probably some players that you saw Saturday that you may not see again. Not so much. I mean, I think one of the big things that I took away, and it, it this again, the spring game, you can only take so much from it. Uh, it was extremely vanilla in the play calling, rightfully so. There's nothing wrong with that. But as far as the spring as a whole, you know, I, I might have been accused of being a, a, a daggy truther, uh, believing that, you know, West Virginia kind of got C plus slash B minus. Uh, uh, we have to. Um, sorry. Yeah. Are you guys? No. Yeah. I just got a message. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the heck? Uh, you're getting that message from on Slack right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You can understand why I might have been uh, confused for a moment. Um, anyways, I completely forgot where I was at. Sorry, everybody that's listening to that. Just got a, a message on Slack that was a joke, but joking about Mike and I's job security at the moment. Um, anyway, so there's only so much you can take with that, but the the whole spring as a whole with Daggy, you know, I think last year in the fall, I'd say he got C plus slash B minus style uh, kind of quality quarterback play and i believe that it could jump to like an a minus because i believe the majority of the issues were on at at offensive line and at receiver i thought there were a lot of drops i thought there were some issues there but there was nothing i heard and i'm not talking just again just about the spring game but throughout the spring that makes me think that that leap is still going to happen which is a little concerning because when you're looking for your team to win nine or 10 games or something like that, you need superior quarterback play. I think one of the few times I can imagine that it, a, a team winning 10 games in a power five league, like the big 12 without superior quarterback play was that 2016 squad. Um, no offense to Skylar Howard. I think he was, he was above average that year, but I'm talking elite level play. And that team was absolutely friggin loaded at every position i i broke down the put the whole starting lineup on the board the other day that this year's team is not going to be like that i mean that team had nfl players at every single position group was completely solid on the offensive line solid on the defensive line great defensive backs amazing receivers very good special teams i'm not sure you have that complete kind of team for west virginia this year so you need elite quarterback play in my kind of takeaway is I'm not sure you're going to get kind of a minus a a plus kind of quarterback play this year. It, it might be some more B minus kind of stuff, which which is good, but you're kind of hoping for better. Yeah, I wonder if you can do a comparison to the I don't know the end of April after the spring game conversations and projections about that 2016 team because I think I think you could see a path for this roster to get close to that situation. 
is it going to overlap and match up perfectly? No, because you said the NFL talent isn't there. And it was pretty clear they had some guys on that team at this point. But I do think you could find a way to, to mimic that. And I'm, I'm not saying Brown will be like, I got to be like the 2016 team. But there might be a way that in the middle of that season, like, well, they're winning close games. The Big 12 isn't quite as good. You know, quarterback play is pretty even. It's not dynamic at, at some schools. That might be a stretch this year. I think there's going to be some good quarterbacks in the Big 12, which probably underlines your point. But is there a way that they could maximize other areas or even the other side of the ball, perhaps even special teams, to compensate for, like you said, what's maybe like above average, mediocre, whatever you want to say, quarterback play? Not dynamic, but not five and seven either. It's I, I don't know. I, I think there's places. Where do you, let me flip it back on you. Where, where do you stand with this wide receiver group? Did there's anything that changed this, this spring no. that makes you think it's going to be different this year? No. And again, I, I do tie these things to Daigie a little bit. I just do. And, and again, like, I think it's strange that he throws to the three yard line on third and goal from the nine. Winston Wright's mm-hmm. not going to score in that play, but Wright dropped the pass. That's an incompletion. I mean, he put a ball on the nose to Bryce Ford Wheaton on a fade pattern. Ford Wheaton is significantly bigger than Jackie Matthews. He's got to bag that. He didn't. Um, he threw another fade to Isaiah Esdale. Esdale's the best hands on the team and proved that he had the best hand on the team later on with the one-handed grab in the end zone. Um, it's a perfect throw past Nick Troy Fortune. He's got to get that. Didn't. I mean, that's two touchdowns and three passes that hit the ground that maybe shouldn't have. But at the end of the day, you're under six yards per attempt. Um, Really not great stretch in the field. Kind of had a, a 21-yard, kind of a, a long looping play to Winston Wright on the sideline. You're not going to live with Winston Wright making up the field sideline catches this year. So that was probably more of an outlier. Um, Wright, maybe your number one. Is Prather your number two? And is that good? Because you do have veterans around him. Esdale, Ford Wheaton, Sam James. Sean Ryan we didn't see. He's out, been out for a little bit. But, like, do you expect Sean Ryan to jump up and be a number two? I don't know. I Again, I don't know how... They don't try to upgrade this in the transfer portal. I don't think they can or they will necessarily because you've got to get – you have no business bringing another backup. Same as a quarterback situation. You don't need a backup. You need like an alpha receiver. Um, I do think they're going to try to do that. And I just think that nothing about the spring made me say this is fixed. Nothing about the spring doesn't have me bringing prior concerns into the 21 season. Yeah, yeah, I'm right with you. I just did I, – I had some hopes, some some thoughts that maybe – Things would go with that offense from, like I said, like a C plus, B minus to like an A minus, and this could be like a ten win plus season. And I, there's just nothing I saw that would make me change my mind about the the C plus, B minus again on that side of the ball. Which with an A A A or A minus defense, you know, maybe that gets you eight wins. But I think you you need a little more from that offensive side of the ball, and and we'll see. I mean, there's still a whole summer to go, all fall camp. Maybe somebody else steps up. Maybe there's a transfer that comes in, but uh, there needs to be some strides there on that side of the ball. Yep, and depth on both sides too. And right. A lot of offensive linemen, but who is six, seven, and eight, and how much are they giving you? Um, running backs, that's not a, a situation that's set up for running backs to succeed. Obviously, we're talking about receivers. You know, defensive line, a good top shelf, but you know, who's the rail, so to speak, um, on the offensive on the defensive line? Linebackers an issue, cornerbacks an issue, safety that have depth. I think how can they use that? We'll see, but I do think they need to get deeper in critical spots, and that's probably where we're going to see the portal come in. Um, I think we should get deep now, Chris, and dig into the mailbag and pontificate on some answers here. Um, how will you choose a lead off today? 
Uh, well, let's stick with what we're just talking about because we got a couple questions about spring football, and and we've kind of you know touched on the edges of some of this stuff. So maybe these answers will come pretty quick. But um, let's start with this question from D. Sprad. After watching the spring game, what unit do you expect to be significantly better in 2021? Do you think this defensive line has a chance to be as good or better in 2021 season? Question mark. So I think maybe relative to expectations because of losing Darius Stills, I think the defensive line could be better than people think. Will be better than last year's? That's kind of a hard, high bar to clear. Be great if they did, but I think that relative to expectation, I think it's going to be better. And then I think better than last season. It's a roll of the dice, but man, if like if they if they get something from. Jalen Anderson or Justin Johnson, I do think their running backs could be better. Like, Letty Brown's going to be okay. They have a need and an urge to play a second and maybe a third. You're pulling from a group of four to get a second running back. And if it's not Tony Mathis or Avery Sparrow, then you really got to heat up Anderson and Williams in the summer. But I've heard enough about Mathis that makes me think it could be good. I liked what I saw. Just, again, bursts. You're not going to get more than bursts in a spring game because you're not breaking tackles or spinning out of contact to everybody. Sparrow looked okay. And I just like the potential of those running backs is, again, not lead guys, but people who can come in and just have a specific thing that they're good at. Um, again, roll the dice because you haven't seen a whole lot yet. But more to my point, if you compare that to other positions, which one has the the ability to actually improve and be so much better than last year? It's really, apart from maybe tight end, which is another roll the dice, there's, there's really not anybody else that probably even rivals the potential of quarterback or excuse me, running back to me. Yeah, I'm not sure this this group I don't think will be better than it was last year, but there is a group that I feel could be like it's going to be walking a tightrope here just because it's not going to be very deep, but I think it could be very good if everybody stays healthy. That's a linebacker. Like I'm hmm. I'm like strangely kind of excited about that because one I think Josh Chandler tomato is a nice fit in the middle. I think he did a very good job. I think he will continue to do a very good job. Um, and then at Bandit, we have not, like, we've seen, like, a couple glimpses of Vandarius Cowan. Like, I mean, this is, we're talking about a former five star recruit that played at Alabama, was supposed to be a huge difference maker. And then he's gotten hurt both seasons at West Virginia. You know, it was suspended, you know, had to sit out a year, got suspended, got hurt, got hurt. Like, we're just not seeing him that much. What if we get a full 12 games out of him? What if we get to see him play 12 full games? What can West Virginia expect from that? I, I think he could end up being, if he's healthy and playing a full season, one of the better edge rushers in, in, in this league and, and could really be special. So I think if you get him, Josh chandler Tomato, and then over at Will, x Low has been pretty good in the moments when he's been called upon to take on a bigger role. And then you bring in Lance Dixon from Penn State, who could play a couple different spots at linebacker, but I feel like he's going to get kind of, uh, you know, kind of shielded over toward, pushed towards that Will linebacker spot with uh, Chandler in the middle. Maybe things aren't, they're not deep. Let's don't, don't get me wrong here. They're, they need some help. They need some depth. But maybe that starting group is, is pretty good when it's a spot that we thought might not be. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I like Bandit. I read about that in my three things, that, that there's a chance there, too. Um, I was kind of putting them with the linebackers, and I wasn't quite as enthusiastic about that before your answer. But now I, I put them all together, and I think that the Bandit's improvement could be the like the – the engine, I guess, that drives the overall linebacker improvement because I do like what I saw out of Cowan, but also like he was he won like one of the top performer awards, so it's not like he had a good day. And I'm assuming that Cowan's a guy that like I think that they have really been restrained on as far as complimenting him, congratulating him, giving him praise, but they gave him an award for the way he practiced during the spring, and that says to me like they're finally ready to buy into this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, got to be healthy, got to be eligible. Got to be on the field. Got to do all those things. That's up to him. But man, I just I think you're right. There's something there. That's that's like eight sack potential and something too. Like just watching him twist and stunt in the middle. Like they really think he's a better a gap b gap blitzer than around the corner blitzer. And if Mesa are are goofing around with the center and the guard, it's going to open those gaps. And if he just gets used to screaming inside and picking the right gap and working with Stills and Mesador they rep that enough all of a sudden you're gonna have like a terror coming to the middle and and really just ruining your protection and, and some of your clean windows for pass plays even if he doesn't get sacks he could be really effective that should be exciting and maybe this is the answer to this question i'm about to ask you but uh this is from gd full what player's stock increased the most after spring football what player are we not talking about but should be well callan's one for sure i think pray there's yeah. one um I mean, Prather, will he be the outside number one? No, because he plays the same position as Ford Wheaton does. But I don't know how many more chances you let Ford Wheaton forego if Prather keeps making them. But they're going to play a bowl. I think that would be one for sure. It would be an obvious one. Um, and, again, oh, this is this is really hard for me because I put my hand in the stove last year. And uh, Daryl Porter had a good game. And it sounds like he got hot toward the end of the spring. Um and, and Brown's explanation as to what happened to him last year was really honest, but also really logical, too, was that he stood out in the half practices. When you put him with the other half of team, he wasn't quite as good. And that means relative to other cornerbacks, but also the receivers that he was covering. And then he got tired because his body wasn't ready because he hadn't gone through the, the summer off season conditioning. He's going to get a full spring now of full squad practices. Maybe he wasn't great at the beginning, but he was really good at the end. And he had a good Saturday. And Brown said that counts like that can make up for lesser practices in the first 14. If you nail it in this in the stadium on a Saturday, in a scrimmage, in a spring game, that's like a, a two-for-one, so to speak. And then full spring, he's going to have a full summer. He's going to have the adequate transition. He might be in line. I think that's a player that there's, again, his pedigree is such that you have to believe in it. Um, and if he finished the practice season with a, a flurry in the spring and had a good spring game, that's a guy that maybe because of what they need at that second cornerback spot, that might be worth talking about. Um, 
circling back on your comments about the receiver and, and to give my answer. And this also kind of, kind of ties into another question, this one from WVUG13 about, you know, right, Winston Wright likely being the number one receiver, number one target. Who's number two? I don't Who know. is number two? Who is? That, that's, that's the thing. And that's why I think this is where we're going to see on the previous question about who who um, are we not talking about enough that maybe will be there in the fall. I think it's going to be these receivers. You mentioned Caden Prey there. Um, there's Sam Brown. There's Reese Smith. There's all these receivers that are on that second team that we have heard nothing but good things about. Uh, all these scrimmages that they're having. You know, Neil Brown has come out and be like, hey, Reese Smith caught, you know, two touchdowns the other day. Hey, Caden Brayther looks pretty darn good. Hey, Sam Brown did this. Sam Brown did that. Uh, I've heard in other practices it's been similar that the second string receivers, that three, those three guys I just mentioned there, um, two two sophomores I guess we'll call them in Smith and Brown, and then true freshmen in Prather. Those are the guys that are being talked about that are doing well in the practices, in the scrimmages. And you know what do we know about Sean Ryan? We don't know. He's had the starting job, lost the starting job, got it back, missed a lot of this spring because of injury. Um, then you got Sam James, who's had a starting job, lost it, got it back, moved positions. They're trying to find a spot for him. And Bryce Ford Wheaton looks amazing, drops the ball, looks amazing, drops the ball. At some point, I think you're going to see those second string receivers. And I don't know which one, because I think it's just going to depend on who in front of them it, it struggles, I guess. But I think those second string receivers, like your number two receiver, might be one of those second string receivers by season's end. Brown would be an interesting pick because he plays the right side. Um, whereas Prather and Ford Wheaton are left side guys now. Could they put Prather on the right side? I guess. Why not? But they had him on the left um, so far. Um, Brown's a right side guy. And it's him. It's Sean Ryan. It's Isaiah Esdale. I, I feel like that there's there's more traffic, but slower cars, if that makes sense. Like there's a way for him to get through that faster. And, and Brown... If he learns how to practice, because that was obviously what he wasn't good at last year. They said that, you know, there are some guys who just play better than they practice, and he's got to get the practice even with the play. Maybe he did. Uh, he was hurt early on, but they said that he had a really good finish year. That's a really good pick there to keep an eye on. Maybe not right now, but maybe in the fall. Like, if he continues this through the offseason, he's, he's got something that the other guys there don't have. He's got speed and explosion, and, and he's tough. Like, he's just tough to tackle and get your hands on. If you watch his high school film, you'd think that that can translate to college. Um, that's that's going to be a weapon there, vertical, up the rail, but also catch it short and run through and around people. Um, that's probably one they would like to to see most. I kind of struggle with that. Like if they could, I was kind of asked this question: if you could wave the magic wand above one person and get him to where he's supposed to be, you'd probably say Ford Wheaton, just because the gifts are there. Sam Brown would be a really good, a pretty good answer too, because the gifts are also there and he would solve a problem on that side. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from S Curry WVU. Do you guys have any insider info with regards to Neil Brown's comments about outside influences, quote unquote, tampering with the players? Um, for those who don't know, Neil Brown was on, was it Sirius XM radio over the weekend, late last week, and mentioned that he knows for a fact that some of his players that have left have been tampered with. Um, didn't go into too much detail about that, didn't name names, didn't do anything else, but Mike, your thoughts? Heard anything? I like that Neil Brown did this. Mm -hmm. I like that he has an issue and he put it in the spotlight. Um, when someone, when I order pizza and, and the delivery guy comes, 
I need him to deliver, though. I want the pizza, and I'm happy it's there. But you got to get out of the car, and you got to ring the doorbell, and you got to tell me that the pizza's there. Like, I, I, I like what he did. I wish he had delivered. And why not go a little further and say what you know? Um, and people are going to say, well, you figure that out, Mike. How? <laughs> like, I'm going to ask Brownie. He's not going to tell me. Am I going to ask Auburn or Georgia? Because it's clear to me that's the implication there. Like, I don't, I don't think he's mad at Northern Colorado for poaching Blaine Scott. Probably mad that his two high-profile defensive backs that are gone got, got tampered with. Um, now, there are avenues for him to do that. He can go to the NCAA. Um, typically, the NCAA gets wind of something by one coach, one school, telling on another. Will Brown do that? I don't know, because sometimes that's really frowned upon in the profession, too. You keep it quiet, and you don't do it. So he's he's gone out a little bit. He's He's got the pizza in the, the little thermal thing in the back of the car, but he's sitting in my driveway. I need the delivery to go all the way. Um, I kind of wish that he'd spilled all the tea, but I don't have a problem with him putting this out there. And he's in a position now relative to his, I think he's on one of the AFCA committees. Um, he can do something about this. He can actually leverage and legislate if he, if he is so inclined, can he get enough people on his side? I don't know, but he's, he's not without a mechanism to make this right. What happens next is probably what's most important. Yeah. It's again, he didn't name names or name schools or anything, but I think you're right in that it's, he's not upset about a second or third string offensive lineman going to a, you know, an FCS school all the way across the country. Um, but so you kind of focused on Miller and Smith. I think a lot of people will think Tyke, Oh, Tyke, you went with, you know, coach Adida Jordan. Well, you know, it might like I, the, the first thing on my mind was actually Auburn, not Georgia, because the, the, again, as we've noted on this podcast, the day, uh, the night of the bowl game, that was a long time coming, uh, with Tyke leaving him ending up at Georgia. Well, that's because of a die, I would assume, but him leaving was a long time coming, but the, the Drayshawn Miller thing, he had connections with a couple of those coaches there, notably Etheridge at Auburn from his time as a recruit. Uh, they were tight. And, you know, as soon as he kind of entered the portal, it was, Oh, he's going to Auburn, Georgia. And then, you know, I talked to you learned that, you know, Georgia was not likely the destination, and it was pretty clear that it was going to be Auburn. And it was because of his connection to Etheridge. And that's the kind of thing you wonder about. Like, you know, these coaches that recruit players out of high school or out of junior college, and then they kind of just sneakily stay in touch throughout just in case somebody starts having thoughts. And, you know, again, I'm with you. Like, I don't understand why. I, I mean, I, I do understand why he didn't just come out and flat out say who and where, but something's got to be done about it. If you want it to stop, can't just say, I want it to stop and then not do anything. Yep. Again, like it's, I understand why he didn't share it on Sirius XM, but like, he's going to tell that story to somebody I'm assuming. And if he is, he's got to go the whole distance. He's got to go the length of the driveway here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to switch gears to basketball. It's just, I guess I could have asked this on the, the last podcast, but we didn't really get into it uh, too much. This is from WVUG13. With Culver gone, what is expected to be used with the last scholarship available? Would you use it, Mike? If so, on on what type of player? I don't, this is this is hard to answer as a yes or no, or even the what type of player because you don't know yet what McBride, Sherman, and McNeil are doing. If some combination of four scholarships perhaps are available, 
Think about that. Like right now, you're just like, oh, they have one available. They might have four. And I'm not sure right now that you need another big guy. In fact, I don't think they need another guy who's like taller than 6'9 and heavier than like 230 because what are you doing? You already got Osaboyan, Kerrigan, and Polycap. The one thing that doesn't exist right now is that the number two or the the complement to Jalen Bridges. So maybe you do that. That would seem like the one that's no matter what happens to the three guards who are still in the draft, you need to somehow support, supplement, whatever you want to call it, the three bridges, that role. They don't have another Emmett Matthews in there. And again, maybe they don't want another Emmett Matthews, that, that type of body, that type of skill. But somebody who is like a stretch three that could you know play some four minutes if you have to in a lineup to match up, that would be the priority no matter what happens. So if you ask me which one, yes, I think they will, and they'll try to do that three-ish kind of thing. If they lose guards, though, one, two, three guards, I don't know. Maybe you get another forward. Maybe you get a guard. Maybe you go two for one. Every guard you lose, you grab two because you have, again, you have four scholarships and three guards that may be leaving. Um, it's really hard to answer right now. And again, if you're Bob Huggins, you'd love to be able to answer this, but you might not be able to answer it until July. I'm with you. I think if you have everybody coming back, Right now, that means the the you know we're focused here on the three guys that are in the NBA draft: McNeil, Sherman, and and McBride. Um, if all three of those guys come back, the my move would be to and and this is rare, so it's 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 likely that you just pocket the scholarship and save it. But my move would be to find somebody like Seni Injai or Jalen Bridges, somebody that you convince, hey, come redshirt for us instead of going to whatever prep school you're thinking about come play for us because the way they went about this transfer thing and yeah it's always going to be like this welcome to free agency welcome to college free agency they're going to be put, picking guys every single year but they added two more senior big men so after this season mm. gabe's gone kerrigan's gone polycap's gone and you're staring at a at a, a front court of uh Cottrell and Njai. And that's it. Now, yeah, they might just go, all right, well, we'll just hit the transfer portal again. And that's fine. But, and likely, but why not try to find somebody that you can convince to come and get developed at school on a red shirt for free, you know, on full scholarship instead of going to prep school. And again, that's hard to find. Like the fact that they got that with Bridges and Njai, like so close together is kind of rare, but if they can find that again, I think that's the route you go. But if Sherman leaves, for instance, like if we're picking out of those three guys, the one I feel is most likely to to be gone at this point might be Sherman. You might have to use it on, I mean, then you end up with two, I guess, two scholarships, but you might have to end it up on trying to find another scorer that can play the wing, that can play that two or the three. This is interesting because you're talking about 15, perhaps, at minimum mm-hmm. 14, because Osaboyan doesn't count. So you can go to 14, maybe 15, depending on Sherman. But you really don't need to. And again, you're yeah. not going to have 15 next year. Now, granted, you're not going to have 15 players coming back. That's not an issue. You're going to have below 13. But, you know, th- there's a, a fluid number here that you're working with that, that kind of makes the whole conversation, any any kind of possibilities that we discuss, kind of frustrating, confusing, fascinating, too. And, and the coaches have to deal with this. So, And again, they're not going to know some of these things for a while, but... If they don't use it, I'm not offended by that. Because, again, it's not like you're going from 13 to 12. You're going from 15 to 14 or 14 to 13. You're okay. Um, 
And again, if if you if you get something from Cottrell after January first, like that that helps you a little bit. But you could theoretically go with just kind of what you have right now, with plus one or two maybe McNeil and or McCabe and or, or excuse me uh, McBride and or Sherman. You got something there. I'm not sure you need to, but maybe it's similar to football where you don't need another backup in a certain spot. You need like a difference maker and and truly how many of them are there right now? I don't know. So you're right. Maybe somebody who sits out this year at development or sits out because he has a year to use. That's something to think about too. Like a guy who can develop and become a really good three point shooter and learn how to play defense. You know, he's six, three. It's not a one. He's not a two pure, but maybe he can do something like that. Yeah, sure. A six, 11 guy who can work out and get used to competing. Um, yeah, that's a good idea too. So something developmental isn't a bad idea. I don't think. Our final question here comes from handsome Chris A seventy five. Says, Mike, did I see in that Zoom call correctly that your man bun is gone? Can you confirm or deny? The top knot does not exist right now. Oh man! However, did you lose like all your strength? Is that is that what happened on Monday? <laughs> you you lop that thing off and then Monday happens. I don't. Know. I'm just saying. It's coming back. Just that I had a wedding in Charleston, and I don't know if the masses were ready for that. <laughs> like, they have tourism and hospitality down there. If I roll down there with the top knot, like, I'm not sure that the, the economy survives, and I want to put that on them. So I had to get a haircut for it, and then um, I just don't have it yet. It looks weird, so it might take some back. I didn't get all the haircut. I still have tremendous length, um, you know, great wingspan on my, my hair. But... I- Give me time. Are you, wait, what does your agent say your, your wingspan is for your hair? I, I will have no agent slander, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to go to the mattress for my man, Tejeda. Uh, again, I just, he's not a bad guy to me. I mean, our agent's bad guy, sure. But like this, this just seems like in this situation, that guy did everything that you'd want me as a reporter you'd want to do. Is it everything that Bob Huggins or Derek Culver wanted to do? Don't know. We'll try to find that out. But like that's the one guy who was honest the entire time. I'm not saying that Culver and Huggins were trying to be deceiving they might just not have known. This guy knew and was honest with me the whole time. So uh, he's aces for me right now. But I'll take his advice if he says it's got to go and I got to, you know, work on other parts of my game. You know, facial hair, biceps. I don't know. Maybe we'll have that conversation soon. Oh, God. All right. Well, I think that's, again, I think that'll wrap it up for what I was going to ask on here. Um, I, we got more. I've already done the written answers for him and I'll be posting them up. Uh, shortly after you probably hear this podcast uh, again Wednesday sometime, unless there's some crazy breaking news between now and then. Um, could be an interesting week. Mike, was there anything else you wanted to touch on from this podcast? No, I've got a lot coming up here. I think we're going to spend some space on the website talking about the extra scholarships for football. That Somewhat of a running joke here is that pretty much every assistant coach said that I might get a transfer in here over the summer. Well, who's got a really good case? So I think we should write and talk about that. That's probably interesting. Uh, Neil Brown, when he's not pointing out tampering on other legislative ideas in college football about this fall camp idea where you no longer get 21 padded practices, which did you know they were allowed to have 21 padded practices? I'd forgotten about that. I did not. And when you asked the question about, uh, you know, the rule changes, I thought you were asking about like the overtime stuff again. So when he started talking about that, I was like, wait, what the heck is going on right now? But I caught on. I I get there eventually. Secret. Um, Neil Brown paid me to ask that question, <laughs> but he was ready for it. Wasn't he? He was ready for it. It looked like a planted question. 
he wouldn't even let me ask my second question. He wanted to get to that one so much. So he's like, let me let me get this one first. So I don't forget. And like, I, I I'd just forgotten until I read the rule that you were allowed to have 21 because like, and to his point, no one does 21 out of 25 in pads. Yeah. So now is eight enough? I don't know, but you got to be really clever about eight and how you do it. And then scrimmages, I think you're allowed, what is it, two and a half? I, man, I gave up on trying to follow that stuff. Strange. I, so, anyways, I'm that's too, but here we are just out of the spring, but you really got to start thinking about your script for the summer. And I'm sure that that, you know, going from so many padded practices to fewer now is going to be part of his thinking. He talked about that. And then you've done this already with some like life without Culver in the post, but I, I think that there still needs to be some, some more talk about. What what happens now and can it work and how does it work? Because I, I really do think that West Virginia's idea here, without any other choice, I understand, but they're they're gonna play a lot more like they wanted to play, but were unable to. So they had this shift uh on January first and wanted to get to a different gear and play. Not that Culver got in the way, but that's a guy you gotta have and you gotta work with and you gotta make sure that he can do what he does best. If you ask him to do stuff he's not good at. The whole lineup's junk at that point. Well, now you got some pieces here that may be able to fit a little bit better into what West Virginia want. Well, what does that look like? We'll see. And then how do additions change that? And I guess the big question is, are they going to press? Because he's talking about it. Why not? I mean, I, I, I think it's a good move with the personnel they got. I think it's something they could probably do well. Um Again, I think it, it worked so well in the past because Carter and Dax Miles and those guys were so good on the ball. But there's also the angle of if you're already bad at half-court defense, why not just put pressure on them in full court because it can't get any worse than your half-court defense. And, and then you have the now you have the rim protectors back at the rim in case they get by you in that full-court press. So I I, I would. I would switch to the press unless you truly believe you could change everything that was wrong with that half court defense from last year. I would go full court press. Yeah. Now, can you get enough wings and guards to guard? I don't know. Like you would think four, but there's something kind of fun. I think about having Kerrigan and Polycat flying around the back line, like swooping in and like, all right, we gambled on the perimeter. Here comes a straight line drive. And all of a sudden Polycat comes out of nowhere off his guy in the corner and blocks a shot. And if it's not him, the Kerrigan does something like that's, that's kind of fun. I think you could see two bigs in that regard. Um, it's going to be the darnest thing where Huggins gets into the hall of fame, like 12 years from now or whatever. And they're talking about like the late career Renaissance where he became Loyola Marymount and was beating teams like 140 to 125, and the world went crazy. That would be awesome. I'd be very excited about covering that. One day, Chris. One day. Well, one day we'll have uh, nothing happen. and probably have a cool and, and calm day on the boards and online, but we'll otherwise occupy our time. Stories, ideas, video, audio, everything, as always, at earsports.com. Plenty on the way, Chris. Uh, plenty in the rearview mirror here. Um, thanks for keeping me sane here. I appreciate it. I, I try my best. I try my best. Even even if I am down your social, matter, social ladder for phone calls. Well, put me on, you're put gonna, me on you're hold twice that. today. You're going to lose that standoff sometimes. <laughs> Certainly can't be on hold for two different people today. Unbelievable. All the content we got out of it, though. Yeah. Worked mm-hmm. out. Well, until next time, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.